Another fabulous week of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hi from Area 51. Here we go again for one more time in the old time machine. I am the Dome. With us tonight from the Four Color Comic Vault in Manchester, New Hampshire, it's Illustrator X. Hey, hey. From the uh, Hellmouth and the Alston Brighton Nexus, we have Kriana. Hello. And somewhere out in Erie, Indiana, we have Awake by Java. That would be me. <laughs> that would indeed. And hmm. joining us, I guess, for the whole hour, because he's just a cool guy to have around, is uh, author and comic book guy and all-around raconteur, Chris Golden. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Awesome. So, you, didn't, awesome. you didn't say where I was, but uh, I'm actually under the dome right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And once you're under the dome, you can never get over the dome. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Thank you, X. Can't All thank right. you enough. Wow. Right. How many, how many times have you used that line? So uh, I'm going to drop off for a second. You guys carry on. Hold on just a second. Okay. Okay. As Kriana tries and uh, locate another guest for us. Yes. Uh, oh, wait, uh, wait. I do have to just interrupt for a sec. This is ahead. officially the first podcast in which we are the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con. We need to like da, 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 da. and in post I'll put that in so that when it goes up on iTunes we'll have that. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> there was much rejoicing. There, there, here, here. Oh, trust me, there's been a lot of rejoicing because there have been a lot of Really bad cons in the Boston area in the past month or so that shall go nameless. Yeah, they sure have. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's another one that is happening next week that is just gouging people left and right, artists included, for the right to show their wares. Our uh, lawyers, thank you for not mentioning them. <laughs> uh, not a problem. Uh, not that I think we can be sued, but for telling the truth, but. You know, that's just me. Well, you didn't name any names. You didn't name any names. You know, listen, I'm incredibly excited about, about Boston Comic Con, uh, especially because, you know, every time in the last 15 years that somebody's tried to, to bring a decent con to Boston, maybe they've lasted a year or two, and then it's just gone away. Wizard was here, like, what, one year? Right. And then the guys from, the guys from Toronto came down for two years, and nobody yeah. seemed to make it work. And what I love about these guys is, you know, that David and, and, and I know a couple of the guys who were responsible for this con, I've known since I was a kid uh, because I grew up in Framingham, Massachusetts, and they used to have a store downtown Framingham. And uh, they still have a store in Framingham. So, uh, so, so I didn't even know these guys were behind it, and then I saw that they were, and I was, I was really excited. So I, 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 can't, I can't wait. I saw the guest list. I think this con is going to be great. Oh, the guest list is absolutely amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, when you, take, when you take a look at some of the people who are going to be there, and we could just go on and on. And in fact, I think I can, you know. Uh, Norman Lee, Scott Wengner, uh, Craig Russo. Uh, and Jay- some very heavy hitters. Oh, dude, how about Gene Colin? Yes. Uh, Mike uh, McNola, for I'm, God's I'm ex- sake. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about Gene Colin, and I'm and I'm I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to the fact that uh, you know Mignola and Eric Powell and Tom Snagoski and I are all pretty good friends, and and I don't think we've all been in a convention together. I don't know if we've all ever been in a convention together, so it's going to be uh, really fun. I hear a panel. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. and you know they've already asked us to host one panel, and we we'd certainly love to host another one like that. 
My God. Well, <laughs> ours might be the, it, it, it probably would be the stupidest and funniest panel, but. <laughs> and I fit right in. So, you know, I'm go. good for that. There we go. Nice. Uh, yeah, and, and there are also a number of uh, artists there that, uh, you know, are good friends of the show besides you, obviously. Uh, Frankie B. Washington and uh, Sarah Richard. Mm-hmm. I believe Tracy Lee Quinn will be making an Tracy appearance. Lee Quinn. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to no, be. I was thinking the other day show. that they really should have. They sh- oh, sorry. They, I was going to say that they, they should have Steve Bissett come down. Um, oh. I didn't think about that, but they should. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, well, if they do, <laughs> my wife may have to break his arm again. <laughs> There's what? A long- what? what are you talking about? No, notice the phrase again. Yeah. <laughs> how did your How did your wife break Steve Bissett's arm? She broke it in spirit. Let's just say that. Um, there's a story. This has been told a couple of times now, but uh, that. that, that Back in the late 80s, early 90s, just after Rick Veitch had taken over Swamp Thing from uh, Alan Moore, um, yeah. my wife was an amateur filmmaker at the time, and she was with a film crew, and they were doing a low-budget horror movie, and uh, the actress that they were using actually had the skunk hair that Abby Arcane has in Swamp Thing. She had the white hair with the two black stripes, and it was natural. And okay. so... They got Steve Bissett. He agreed to do a cameo with her and just to like turn okay. to her at one point and go like, hey, Abby, da-da-da-da-da. And a whole film crew waited all day at a Burger King in Derry, New Hampshire for Steve Bissett to show up to do his scene. And when they called to say, where are you, Mr. Bissett? His girlfriend at the time said he was out skiing. <laughs> so... Well, fast, fast forward I, a year. You know fast. what? We'll have to. You know, I may, I may have to uh, to, to conference call Steve in later on in the show and, and, and oh, see if he. Man. If he I was going to say, this up. is, no, no, no. This, I mean, we've since made up. I mean, we've seen Steve a couple of times since. And the, the punchline is <laughs> like a year, a year later, uh, Neil Gaiman was doing his first Boston appearance for the Sandman, the um, season of Mists collection had just come out and it right. was him Bissett and Mike Zuli were there right. we didn't realize Steve Bissett was there though and so we get in line and for, Steve's the first one there in the through the row of the three of them and Tracy just starts going hi Steve uh, do I know you the movie Steve the film crew we had to pay a, for a day if no footage shot, Steve. And he suddenly gets like this ping. I am, oh my God, I am so sorry about, here, let me, and he suddenly, we start getting all this, this artwork. He's like, here, here, have this, uh, have this one thing drawing. And then Mike Zuli's like, um, here, I'm drawing this graphic novel of Sweeney Todd. And then Mike, uh, Neil Gaiman comes over. I don't know what Stephen has done. But please let me sign whatever you have. And all was good, but it was hilarious just to see him blood drain from his face like that. Now we've talked to him That's since so then a couple funny. of times. It all is all is forgiven. Steve's a great guy, but That's we will funny. never let him live that down. No, that's funny. I've actually I've been I've been friends with Steve for almost twenty years and uh and actually last week. That's last week or the week before last. I had lunch with him and Neil in Boston, actually. Oh, really? So yeah, it's uh, so so. I I I love to tease him um, about about the times that he has flaked on things. So I will add this <laughs> to the. the uh, and now you have another list. good story. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. There you go. But he's always been reliable for me. So. In oh, fact, yeah. Steve has a, a fantastic story in the New Dead. Oh. Does, 
Okay, let's talk about the new dead for a second. The new dead. I see now you, you threw me because I wasn't quite ready to go there, but now I'm going to. Well, we can, we can come back to it later. I just I, I was mentioning it because there's a, sh- a short story by Steve Bissett. Oh, cool. Yeah. The New yeah. Dead is a brand new uh, anthology of zombies edited by you with Max Brooks, Joe Hill, Tad Williams, Kelly Armstrong, John Connolly, David Liss. Uh, and it just looks so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think it is cool. Wait, hey, oh, now the party can start. You got good news? Yeah, for really. Us? I do not. I found not one, not two, but three numbers for Brett Parker. All of them were out of service. <laughs> and, and somehow we're killed. not surprised. I, he isn't in. International man of mystery here. Apparently. I, you know, every time I was like, oh, I found a new number. Great, this one must be the right one. No. Mm-mm. Cannot find Parker, it. After three, I just, I gave up. If you're listening to us live, we need you to shoot, a, shoot uh, us an email on the Facebook page or something so that we can get you on so you can talk directly to Chris Golden. If you not... If not, you're going to have to wait till April when we do our live cast from the Boston Comic Con. And we can have you do it there. That would be fun. Well, I would have said to tell him to bring his boxing gloves, even though I don't box. Because <laughs> he's big, so forget that. Nah. Yeah. Nah, he's so a would wuss. You, it's okay. <laughs> would you be the red robot or the blue robot? <laughs> I just got uh, I'll be the red one right after that. Right after I glue the head down. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. Uh, okay, so let's so talk Chris, about you dead. Yes. It's the Kobayashi Maru. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 okay, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, the, 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 the question I have, um, yeah. z- zombies seem to have saturated the market over the last few years, and now you've got another collection. There's a new collection of zombie short stories. What separates this from, from everything else we've seen over the last uh, couple of months? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. No, uh, it, it, seriously, um, first of all, a lot of the zombie anthologies that you've seen in the last year have been um, at least a good portion reprint. Uh, so the first thing is that these are all new, but more importantly than that, you know, this, this anthology came about by me being contacted by an editor at St. Martin's who said, you know, we'd like to do a zombie anthology. Uh, you know, we think you're the guy, you know, are you interested? And I went back to them and I said, listen, I'm only interested, um, on a certain level. And that is that I really believe that our fascination with, with, zombies right now um, because look let's face it they're not sexy it's not like you you know vampires you get it you understand what's fascinating about vampirism you can live forever you can be beautiful forever you can mesmerize you know and seduce and all of these kinds of things and there's a sexual thing about sucking blood and all of that stuff zombies nobody wants to get, i don't know <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. Know zombies. Vampires. Thank. Well, ne- ne- neither do vampires. Um, <laughs> but you. in any case, my son wore a T-shirt all around Dragon Con, saying, um, "And then Buffy staked Edward the end." <laughs> I've but, seen uh, that. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. But but in any case, the the thing about about zombies now, I think, I don't know, if, I don't know, if, you know, nobody wants to have sex with a zombie, and at least as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> So there's nothing sexy about them. But I think the fascination with them currently has to do with the way that we're processing all the crap that we're dealing with as a society, the way that we're processing the war and dead soldiers and torture and all of these things. Because all of these war-related movies came out and tanked. Nobody wanted to see it. Nobody wanted to process these things by taking them head on. And I think that, that this sort of story about... Uh, you know, not that eating flesh is necessarily, you know, a parallel, obviously, but I do think that death and resurrection stories and horrible things and stories about the apocalypse and the end of the world and all this stuff, you know, is, is a way that we're processing our, our fears as, as a society that we weren't 
previously. You know, I think it's, it's mm-hmm. a way that we're able to do that. And that was actually one of the challenges that I, that I laid out to the contributors when I went out and asked them to, to come up with something for this book. And so even though if I didn't tell you that, you would probably read the book and never really see it, there's, there are definitely stories whose themes reflect that kind of challenge and that kind of question. Uh, there's a story about torture. There's a story about uh, zombies being weaponized and used in the military. There's a story about, uh, you know, um, well, and, and there are also classic sorts of things. There's a story about Lazarus coming back from the dead, and, and there's a voodoo story. But, you know, I mean, so there's a, there's a nice mix, but, uh, you know, it really is about what is our fascination with zombies all about? That's the question that I ask people. And frankly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I just don't think that, I think a lot of the, the stuff that's out there is just, you know, dead people rising and eating. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely so, so this agree. Is, uh, because, uh, uh, you know, zombies, the, the whole um, the zombie archetype allows, you know, the characters to find a clear enemy. Um, which is something that our society is really looking for. We don't have, um, you know, right. so many things that we can't deal with in the real world, in a, in a world plagued by zombies, you know, something we can deal with very easily. I absolutely agree with that. Well, and I also think we're, we're in a, I also think we're in a world where, you know, we don't feel comfortable that we're the good guys anymore. And so post-apocalyptic stories and stories about crisis situations uh, make it easier for us to identify with the protagonists of the stories because you can be the good guy. Well, you know, it's easy to be the good guy when you're only, the only thing you're trying to do is make it to the, you know, the next day. And, um, you know, I, I just don't, I, I feel like we as a society can't count on, you know, we don't have the foundation that we once had. Uh, you know, white hats and black hats are largely a thing of the past. So there you go. That brings up an interesting question, though. I mean, there's there's been all kinds of uh, controversy around the latest installment of um, uh, not Left for Dead, the other one, um, Resident Evil, mm. uh, Resident Evil Five, uh, which is set in uh, Africa. Do you know anything about that controversy? Have you? No, you know the honest, <clears throat> the the truth of the matter is that. You know, I work so much that I don't have any time to play games. I, I, okay. I used to, but I haven't, you know. Well, well the controversy basically is, um, centers around the, the setting and the um, various characters that are involved and Hi, the Brent. enemies who are zombies um, attacking these here. characters. And, of course, you know, you feel in a, in a game Great, like that that the people you're controlling are the heroes of the game and everybody else who is a zombie is evil, but... There's interesting questions raised by the the societies that they chose to pull people He's from. Really excited. I was just wondering um, about your feelings. And how like you might really excited. Uh, take that whole because the zombie movement right now is moving into all kinds of different areas, um, and people, right. as in your anthology, are exploring different elements of the of the whole situation. Is there anything that you find particularly intriguing about the stories right. in the New Dead or? Oh. Um, Anything that we should look for? <clears throat> well, I, down. I think I find them all intriguing I for different reasons. And I, I set out very specifically <laughs> to have a, an eclectic mixture of, of contributors. Okay. So you have a mystery writers name. and historical thriller writers and horror call writers call and April, right? um, uh, okay, sort so of literary mainstream that. writers like Amy Bender. Um, yeah. You know, and it's a, it's a very... Um, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, it's a, so I think what you should look for in the New Dead is, you know, yeah, cool zombie <laughs> stories. There are definitely stories that are, are there for the people who want, um, All right. Thanks, you Brett. know, the sort of traditional, Bye. you know, flesh-eating things. And there's a great post-apocalyptic story by Tim Levin. And, um, you know, Bissette's story, which is called Copper, is fantastic. Uh, Joe Hill's story is absolutely brilliant and he accomplishes something that I never would have imagined possible which is uh, his story is called Twittering from the Circus of the Dead (laughs) and it's a horror story told entirely in tweets Um, and it's actually scary yeah it's actually scary and um, and and that really you know uh, it surprised me because 
you know, as you start reading it, it's kind of a goof. You know, you think, oh, this is entertaining. But as you get deeper into it, you're like, this is actually really creepy. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a really interesting mix. And Joe Lansdale wrote a story. It, you know, the, the initial, original subtitle for the book was uh, Tales of Death and Resurrection because I wanted the focus to be slightly off the, the sort of general idea of the George Romero zombie, although there are plenty of those in the book. Um, so Joe Lansdale wrote a story, excuse me, that is very subtle and uh, in which there are no, uh, nobody rises from the dead. Um, but as far as Joe and I are concerned, it's still a zombie story, and I'll leave that to your, uh, uh, I'll be curious to see how people react to it. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, it's, it's just a very interesting, but I actually, you know, it's funny, I, I, wrote, a, um, I wrote a zombie novel, actually a teen zombie novel um, of, of my own that actually came out last year, and it's going to be re-released with uh, a new cover this October, and it's called Soulless. And, and Soulless is about, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I went to the publisher and I said, look, what drives me absolutely out of my mind about zombie stories, 99% of the time, they have no third act. You know, hey, look, the, the, uh, you know, the comet passes by, the zombies rise from the dead, they eat everybody at the end. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no third act in, in most of these stories. Well, yeah, you know, so there's, so what I wanted to do was have a, a, a story in which the, uh, the genesis of the zombie uh, uprising is something very specific and it can be dealt with in a specific way. So um, at the beginning of Solus, you have a, a group of, of uh, mediums who are going to do a mass seance on, on morning television in Manhattan. Uh, and, and, and they've planned it out so that everybody within a you know, five-mile radius or 100-mile radius, I can't remember what it was, they're all going to be able to talk to their dearly departed simultaneously. But as soon as they start this thing, uh, they all go catatonic and they can't be separated. Their hands are locked together and they can't be separated. And, and basically uh, all of the, 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 the soul or the spirits, not souls of the dead, we inhabit their bodies and they rise and this is zombie uprising. But the, <clears throat> the gist of that, and that actually is what led me to want to do the new dead, is that the, the characters who are all of the, the uh, protagonists in the story, and, and uh, a lot of them are not, that uh, heroic are teenagers or 20 somethings, you know, and, and, and that's because I really felt like post nine 11, this generation, my son's generation, they don't remember a world prior to nine 11. They don't remember what it was like to live in a world where such a thing was completely unthinkable. And, um, and I think in a weird way, or at least I suspect that that makes them better suited to this world it makes them better suited to reacting to crises so that when, you know, when the next awful thing happens, they will be able to react better uh, than we can uh, or that we could. And so that's actually what Solus is about. It's about the fact that, you know, the adults are a bunch of, you know, blithering idiots. or not idiots, but certainly they're not, you know, they're still reeling when the young people are acting. Um, I mean, isn't that so always- interesting? Isn't that always the way with uh, intergenerational uh, issues that, you know, I mean, if, if you look at current TV today, every ad has the idiot father while the children know what's <laughs> happening. And, and, yeah. you know, it, and if you look back, you know, our parents were, I hate to say it, they don't know how to cope with what we have to deal with. And mm, our that kids is no look, way reflected by this show at all. I think I think that that whole that the advertising issue has more to do with who has uh, dispensable income right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's probably true too. But I think yeah. that that's an interesting. Anyway, but we got we got yeah. very serious there. I, I got very serious there. But we should we should talk again about how crappy DC Comics are right now. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, wait, you may yes. have heard because Skype said it muted my microphone, but it didn't really, which was wonderful of it. But I did. I have a confidential source. Give me Brett's phone number. Yes. And he will not be joining us tonight. But. Why not? Well, because he has his six-month-old daughter. Yeah. She'll probably be able to, you know, he's probably asking her for advice. (laughs) 
Wow. We don't, we don't care if she's crying in the background. Oh, you know what? I think he just, he, I think he just didn't want to face me. Well, I don't think that's true because he's promised to do it in person at Comic-Con. Excellent. Wow. Oh. Did, he tell you what char- did he tell you what character it was? No, he didn't. Oh, I should have asked that. Oh, okay. okay. Anyway, thank you, Confidential anyway. Source. You're okay. my hero. Okay, I will be Brett Parker by proxy. <laughs> Brett Parker being right. one of the owners of Double Midnight Comics and Collectibles, a fine, fine comic store in Manchester, New Hampshire. Don't forget to go down there. They support the show. Yay. So, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> having said that, and covered us completely, Chris, just being on the same podcast with you has made me change my opinion. You are right, sir. I am terribly wrong, and I apologize for any opinion I had that might have interfered with anything that you thought. <laughs> also, well, thank you. Wow. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Parker. Oh. I don't know what I was thinking about Jeff John's comics. <laughs> but, so yes, anyway. Blackest Night. Blackest meaning being in a term for slowest development of a plot ever comics. Now, now you know what? I am going to I am going to jump in and I'm going to say that and you're going to yell at me. I'm okay. actually enjoying Blackest Night. And oh. and and I actually think that that Justice League Cry for Justice and Blackest Night are the only two DC Universe titles right now that are readable in any way. Um and I think that that it's, it's every time I talk about this, I get angrier and more upset. And I, I just, I'm appalled because a few years ago I was yay DC. Awesome. Really excited about everything they were up to. And they've just been in a downward spiral ever since. And I find it incredibly depressing. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) You know, they, their their entire universe is in shambles and their whole sense of consistency is gone. So they bring in someone who knows how to write a universe, like Mike J. Mike Straczynski, and they put him on Brave and the Bold. And it's like, yep. what? Okay, the house is on fire. You're a fireman? Go to Vermont. <laughs> we'll call well, you, know, you if was, we need there you. Was a period... Yeah, I mean, there was a period, um, I don't remember, sometime during last year, I think it was early last year, where yeah. Nikki Fink on Deadline, Deadline Hollywood Daily had reported that Dan DiDio was going to be fired and they'd offered Jimmy Palmiotti the job. And I was so excited yeah. because not only do I think that Jimmy would be fantastic at that job, I don't think he wants it, but I think he'd be fantastic at it because, you know, he, he has the... Um, the enthusiasm, he knows everybody, he has the, the ability to, to get people together and get behind projects and all of that stuff. But I just thought that what a gift to comic fans to have Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti going head-to-head running Marvel and DC. I just oh. think that would be the best thing ever. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. No. Yeah, it wasn't even close. No. Lame. But... Uh... Yeah. You know, we are at the halfway point of the show here, so we just want to do a little station oh, ID. Okay. This is Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con. Oh, I love and, the way that sounds. Oh, isn't it? Just sort of rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's also, it's time for our trivia question. So who's got the trivia question tonight? I think Dome's I, got it. I have the trivia question as usual. Tonight's question is, are we ready to post it? Uh, we're ready and standing by. Okay. <laughs> the question Goodbye, is... Standing by. <laughs> what? <laughs> Helen Reddy, standing by. Simply red, standing by. I'll stop. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The question for tonight is, what do the movies Labyrinth and The Prestige have in common? The winner of tonight's trivia question will get a St. Martin's Press edition of The New Dead, edited by Chris Golden, and a copy of the uh, drawing Deadpool by Sarah Richard, all of which should now be up on our website. 
And so it is. As we speak. Oh, who is amazing? That would be you, Kriana. Why, thank you, Dome. Not a problem. It's almost as if we're related. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways. <laughs> oh. Now, now hey, Chris. Chris, because every time we talk about you to anyone, we talk about the very first time we met you, which was at... Uh, Visions 99. Oh. Visions 99. What, where, where was it? Where? In Boston, the Visions 99 Expo. Okay. I don't even remember that one. I Where was that? Was that at the Heinz? Yes, it was. Okay. And uh, right. you were sitting at a little table, and you had all the uh, Buffy comic books. And there were only three okay. Angel comic books out at that point, and I had all of them. As well now, you should. Kriana at that point, I think, was 15? 11. 11? <laughs> and she walked 11, right... 11, were you... Was I 11? I think so. That's yeah. scary. She walked right up to your table, and you sat and talked to her for like 20 minutes. God, I feel old. Wow. <laughs> Imagine how old I felt. <laughs> well, the difference is you are old. I'm. I'm. Oh, I'm not. thank you. There no, you, you go. You are a resident curmudgeon. You you can't deny that. You're right. <laughs> no, no. I I I actually uh, I had some kid at the movie theater recently say, um, uh, you know, oh, I, I used to read your books all the time when I was a kid, <laughs> or you know something like that. Wow. And I I, I punched. I punched him in the face. No, I didn't. Punch him. <laughs> but I wanted to punch him in the face. Um, but anyway, so continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> so from that point on, you know, you were uh, my daughter's favorite writer, and uh, you were uh, uh, just a wonderful gentleman. And uh, I think we've gotten together five or six times since then. Uh, yeah. Well, it's always always entertaining. Yeah. We, we try. We actually got told that we were actually, uh, what did they call us? Hmm? I think it was entertaining. Oh, uh, Mike Hinman of um, over at the Sci-Fi Network. He does Airlock Alpha, which is their podcast. No, no, no. Uh, Airwaves, mm-hmm. Alpha Waves or something is their podcast. Airlock Alpha is his news site. Oh, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Right. Fact-checking, come on. Well, no, he'll, <laughs> he's going to be our guest next week, and... Um, He's been on several times before, and, and I, I had said, Jesus, nothing like having the competition on as your, your host. And he goes, you're not the competition. You're actually entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you. I kind of took that as That's well. awesome. Yeah. It was actually nice yeah. to hear. Yeah. Oh, Chris. Now you have to get him to say that on, on the air. Yeah. I know. Oh, we will. No kidding. We will. No problem with that. Okay. Um. Now, Chris, I mean, again, you've got this this uh, reputation of just being a very accessible go-to guy. Um, you also have really built up um, uh, a reputation in the industry as being a, very much of a team player. Um, you're always being seen as being in collaboration with with Bissett's, uh, Thompson and Gowski, you know, uh, Mike Mignola. What do you do? You actually prefer being like on a team when you're writing, or do you like having having more of the reins of control? Or um, you know what I it, when I write by myself, um, it's definitely more personal work. It's definitely more um, more work from the heart. It's actually easier to write on your own than it is to write in collaboration. That pro- probably doesn't come as a surprise. Um, but, you know, I always say that writing is a solitary occupation, and I'm not a solitary person. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, the ideas come up in conversation with your friends. And, you know, yeah. a lot of times they start as jokes. Uh, a lot of things that I've, I've done as, uh, as collaborations have started as, um, you know, stupid things we've said over drinks, you know. And, um, and, and, and that's just sort of how, it, how those things get born. 
Um, and, and I'm enthusiastic about, about working with my friends. Um, I just, I don't like, uh, I think I would get bored if I did just one thing or just the other. I think if I did only collaborations, I'd, I'd jump off a bridge because I'd need that. <laughs> uh, out. Well, you know, I need the outlet. I need, I need to be able to do the stuff that's really sort of intimately me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about people and I'm passionate about the admiration that I have for, for the works of, of these people who are my friends. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do have a good time. Um, and, and you get some really interesting stuff that way. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and when, as far as being in control, um, I am sort of a control freak, and I do tend to be uh, the person who's the, what shall we say, project manager on a lot of my collaborations. Um, but that's because most of my friends know this about me, and they indulge my idiocy, you know. <laughs> so is that sort of, uh, does that sort of lead to the editing gigs you've gotten recently? Um, yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is that I... Um, the first thing I ever edited was Hellboy Odd Jobs. Um, actually, that's not true. Oh. Think. The first book I ever did, the first book I ever did, um, which, for which I won the Stoker Award, was a nonfiction book of essays called Cut Horror Writers on Horror Film, which was exactly what it sounds like. It was horror writers writing essays about horror movies. Um, so I edited that. That was my very first book. Um, and then I... Um, I edited this short story collection, Hellboy Odd Jobs. That was the first one I did. And that led eventually to more of those, as well as my being essentially the editor um, on all of the Hellboy novels that I didn't write, both for pocketbooks and for Dark Horse. Um, and in that case, I was hiring writers and doing all that stuff, um, hiring writers with other publishers' money, not my money. And, um, and, and so it sort of just evolved from there. And, and, and I, I've actually, I can't talk about it, but I've actually got it, um, I'm in the process of um, making the deal or finalizing the deal with St. Martin's for a new anthology that I'll be putting together this year. Mm. Um, so I that's, really the, that's the one about New England-based sci-fi uh, podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Feel free to use some um, But no, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, but I really enjoy it. And it's what's interesting to me also is that when I first started doing it, I was much less likely to be an effective editor because I, I was nervous about what I could and couldn't say and driving people away and, and pissing writers off and all of that stuff. And now I'm, um, I'm certainly, you know, not intimidated anymore. Um, so it's been a, an interesting process. The the million dollar um, I question some, is I, I piss some people off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad thing. The million dollar question yeah. though is, what do you think of the new Doctor Who? Um, the answer to that question is that I have seen about mm, maybe four episodes since Doctor Who was resurrected a few years ago, and I liked the ones I saw, but I have never been a Doctor Who fan. Um, well, thank I you for being on the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't dislike it. I just, you know, as a kid, um, I, I lumped Doctor Who in the same category with Dark Shadows, which were things that I really wanted to like but just couldn't get into because of the uh, production values. Oh, um, and so oh, oh. I just yeah. actually watched so, uh, that on Hulu. <laughs> Dark what, the old Doctor Who? No, Dark Shadows. No, oh, Dark Wait. Shadows. Yeah, that was... Okay. Yeah, terrible. There, it was there awesomely are... good. I mean, awesomely yes? bad. Oh, Kriana, you got to stop by. Tracy has a ton of those episodes. <laughs> it was great. It was so entertaining, actually. I was sad that it ended where it did. I was like, what happens next? Uh what well, there was next? an there was a uh, there was an early '90s like 1990 uh, uh, reboot that of Dark, Dark Shadows. That may have been the one that I saw. Oh, it if... probably was. And and I have to say that one I did think was awesome. 
Oh my um, goodness. But I, yeah. Brian, you're, yeah. you're dying. Well, you know, here. Is, oh. This is the big you one. You guys Elizabeth. are reacting that way because, yeah, you guys are reacting that way because you like the original. But yes, exactly. uh, you know that that just it just it just passed me by. You know, you want to talk about Godzilla or stuff like Woo-hoo. that? I'm I'm with you. But 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 that stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, just, I am there, so you know, with you on this one. You have no idea. You have no idea. But <laughs> well, and like you know, I never I never could watch Thunderbirds. You know. Yeah. Um, stuff, you know, so, so I, but I think everybody latches onto their own things, you know? Well, yeah. Um, well, Jerry Anderson's an acquired taste. I, I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, no question. You know, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, yeah, so I, so I, uh, uh, Amber and I disagree on that subject. She's a, she's a, a big Doctor Who fan from way back, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, and Snagoski loves the new Doctor Who and is always telling me about the episodes and, and Frank I did watch um, the Doctor Dances which is amazing oh that was oh yeah that was a good one yeah and I have to say that if they if they had cast Patterson Joseph I probably would be watching it hmm. you know there was some talk they were going to cast Patterson Joseph as the Doctor uh, who's and that he's great um, he actually was the Marquis de Carabas in the BBC's <gasps> uh, version of Neverwhere. Oh, uh, yes, he, he also, was very good. Yeah, and he also was, um, I actually um, cast, well, I didn't cast him, but I'm the one who suggested him for Ghosts of Albion. When Amber Benson and I did the Ghosts of Albion online animated series, um, they, we needed somebody for this character, Nigel Townsend, and I immediately said, you've got to go get this Patterson Joseph guy based on his performance as the Marquis de Carabas. And, um, and they were talking about him being the doctor, and I was like, that would be great. So, yeah, yeah right, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I'm a little this, concerned about this new dude guy. instead. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about this new young punky guy they've got now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah but this is how I too. felt about Tennant. You know, I remember you the know. same thinking the same thing when Tennant came on. I'm like, oh... The guy who was in Harry Potter 4, great. He's one of the, yeah. one of the best doctors now, we've ever now, had. Now, on the other hand, if you wanted, to, if the BBC would do a show in which we find out that Gene Hunt from Life on Mars is a Time Lord, that I would watch. That would be awesome. Ooh, that would be, that would be, that would be yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not finding much to argue with you on here. You know who I always thought would be a good doctor, and I, I, it'll never happen because he's an American. But I thought the only American who could ever do the role would be Gene Wilder. <laughs> well, I just something about you know, his performance. You're, you're just stuck in the seventies now. Yeah. He, well, he yeah. a really long hey. star. Hey, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder is my Wonka. Yeah, yeah. but there you go. That's you know vaguely dirty. Gene, Gene Wilder is, <laughs> is also my Wonka. <laughs> Gene Wilder is. is Definitely my Wonka, and um, wow. and, There's a and new he's t-shirt. also yeah, that's a new euphemism. Yeah, that that that's a T-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's going up on yep. our T-shirt site uh, tomorrow. <laughs> well, I also, I also think on your T-shirt. Um, I also think your T-shirt site has to have once you've been under the dome, you'll never get over the dome. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I love but, it. But, but yeah, Gene Wilder. Hey, you know what? One of my favorite Gene Wilder movies, and it's only one of my favorites because I saw it when I was a kid, uh, and it, it's not a very good movie, but I loved The Frisco Kid. Oh, my God. Yeah, with Harris, one of the with, funniest with movies Harrison ever Ford. Made. Yeah, with what? Harrison Ford and Gene Wilder. Absolutely. Where he plays, uh, he yep, plays a Jewish rabbi going to San Francisco. The yep. Frisco Kid. Follow that Tukas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Yeah. That, that's just okay. Next question. Okay. <laughs> Dollhouse. Second to the last. Oh, there's, a, there's a jump. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to I have to admit I am about seven episodes behind. Oh. I, am, I am one episode behind. Was this one another two hour? Okay, no, no, no spoilers, please. Then now, I've been. How I've been many episodes the have they? How many episodes have they aired? 
Uh, I think 11. Last night, last night was the 12th. 11. 11. Okay, so if they've if they've aired 12, that means I'm 10 episodes behind, and I don't expect to catch up. Really? I'm it, it I'm not a fan. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, they lost me big time. Yeah, big time. You know yeah, what? I, I think I think that I'm. Uh, well, I just have to let the facts speak for themselves. I'm about 11 episodes behind. So you know. I'm, you know, I think I've watched through episode three. And, you know, I don't know. I just haven't had any desire to put it on. I've been watching the last 12 seasons of Top Gear instead. You know, I haven't had yeah, a desire I mean, with, to put with, it on, but the yeah. Zombrarian has been making me. And, you know, we'll save up a couple of episodes, and then she'll be like, no, okay, I'm sick of this. we got to watch it. And I'm like, eh, fine. Let's watch it. And then I, like, can't pull my eyes away from the screen. Four hours. Or well, you know, it seems to me, it seems to me that it was a, it was a, it was a great idea that once they had it, they weren't sure exactly what to do with it. Um, yeah. Even my son Daniel, my son Daniel turned fourteen this past weekend, and and when he likes a show, he really likes a show, and he sticks with it. He's a, you know, he's definitely obsessed. He's, um, you know, he's a Star Trek and Buffy guy, and. Um, and so he was watching it, and we had a whole bunch of them on DVR, and he was just like, you know what, just delete them all. So, um, wow. you know, if you can't keep him, he's, he's, he's loyal, and if you can't keep him, you have a problem. I mean, if you, if you, if you dress Eliza Dushku like that every week, and you still can't keep my 14-year-old son interested, <laughs> you've got a problem. Yeah. Okay, uh, and, you know. So. Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm stunned, because it's... Uh, uh, two reasons. Number one, there was a 13th episode in season one that was unaired but was in the DVD set. Mm-hmm. And that episode was the episode that would have played had they canceled the series at the end of season one. Right. Uh, it's an alternate universe episode, essentially, that takes place five years in the future. I don't think it's. I don't think it's an alternate universe. I think it's just a future episode, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> to be honest with you, just out of time, out of the time sequence. Scared the crap out of me when I actually sat and watched it, because it just you took the leap and you you, you held on and for what was a, a a really really nice roller coaster ride. And last night's episode was. A step towards that ending. No spoilers. Well, all, all I'm saying is it was a very huge step towards that ending. And I think that the ending that we're going to see next week is going to be very close in form and substance to that 13th episode from, from season one. Hmm. Now, of course, this comes from the man who is heartbroken that uh, Models, Inc., the comic book, is being canned. Uh, <laughs> you know what? The thing is, there's, there's such great television out there, and there has been in the last few years great television. I mean, Battlestar Galactica, The Shield, yeah. um, you know, Rescue Me, The Wire. I mean, there's great television out there. Yeah. And, and I just... You know, if you if you can't if you can't live up to that standard, I mean, I'll tell you the one that I'm looking forward to that's not on yet the most is, um, and this is not sci-fi, so I'll, I'll just say it one quickly. That's all right. The uh, the creator of The Wire, David Simon, has a new show coming on HBO called uh, Dream, I think it's called, which is about musicians in post-Katrina New Orleans, and. Uh, and that sounds great. I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds super cool. Oh, and by the way, um, I've never read, and I know this is another thing I'm going to get yelled at for, but I've never read George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones, but I can't wait for the HBO series. I was going to say, Sean Bean apparently is the king. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, Sean, you guys all know who Sean Bean is, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Sean Bean is awesome, and if you've not seen them, there's this whole series of 15 or 16 movies that he did for, uh, for the BBC um, about Sharp. Um, it's based on a series of novels by Bernard Cornwell. The first one, I think, is Sharp's Rifles. And he's, so, he's better in that than he's been in anything else ever in his entire life. 
and um, and and it's it's the kind of role that preps you for something like Game of Thrones, and uh, I just think it's gonna be great. And so. you know, I picked up the Game of Thrones, you know, I think over the summer, and as as a casual thing, as I was waiting for um, the new Wheel of Time series book to come out, and I started reading them. I read them in the space of a couple weeks. They're wonderful books, and they're perfectly adapted to, to television. And the casting that they calls that they seem to be making on this show are just insanely great. I absolutely agree. It's yeah. going to be a show to watch. Now, Chris, I have a question for you. Have you seen okay. Castle? Have I seen what? Castle. Castle. I, I still didn't understand you. The, the show Castle. About the mystery. Oh, Castle. Have I seen Castle? Yeah, I, I have seen Castle, and I'm disappointed. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm upsetting all of you guys tonight. I love Nathan Fillion. I, I think Nathan Fillion is awesome. And even in Castle, Nathan Fillion is awesome. But Nathan Fillion is the only awesome thing about Castle. Because other than Nathan Fillion, it's the same show that I've seen, like, every year on every network for my entire life. It's boring. And, uh, it, you know, it's like, you know, The, the Mentalist is, uh, is not a great show, but it's a very entertaining show. And Castle has nothing but Nathan Fillion's charm going for it. The as Mentalist? Far as I'm really? How about Psych? Oh, Psych is awesome. Okay, okay. You and what redeemed I love yourself. About... Oh, my God. Psych is better than The Mentalist. Well, I, mean, I said The Mentalist is entertaining. Yeah, The Mentalist is entertaining. Psych is one of the, the best. Psych is one of the shows, one of the only shows that my entire family watches together. Um, and we've watched it since the beginning. It's, it is probably the funniest show on Well, I'm sorry, Big Bang Theory is the funniest show on TV. Yes, Absolutely. You know why? And you know why yeah, it's so like, funny? Because speaking from my own personal life, scientists are really like that. We are all just like Well, that. I have to tell you that my son Daniel, who's 14, as I mentioned earlier, he's my middle child, he is Sheldon. <laughs> I mean, no, no kidding. If you met him, you'd be like, yeah, this guy is Sheldon. He is Sheldon. And, uh, and so we always joke about that. But, yeah, so, so Psych is amazing. Wait, how do we get there? Oh, Castle. So here's the thing. Like, so Nathan Fillion, you see, you see Nathan Fillion in Waitress. Waitress is an amazing movie. Nathan Fillion is amazing in it. You see Nathan Fillion in Firefly. Nathan Fillion is awesome. Um, I didn't really like him in Buffy, to be honest with you. Um, I thought he was good, but I hated that character in season seven. was just yeah. awful. Yeah, but anyway. I hear you. Um, but, but, uh, but I can't, I, I don't love him enough, as much as I love him, I don't love him enough to watch Castle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just like, meh. You know, it's like, I love Katie Sackhoff, but the Bionic Woman show is just not that good. Oh, please. You know, that not, was just not, horrifying. That was, that was just... Yeah. It's the stupidest yeah. reboot Katie, of his... Katie Sackhoff is coming on... I don't like 24. Katie Sackhoff is coming on 24. And I'm... I, I, it's, even as much as I love her, I don't I love her enough to, to watch, watch 24. It so. I won't be able to watch it. There's just no way in hell. Yep. Yep. So, you know. Wow. But in any case, now, you give me a... Sh- I'll create a show for, for, for uh, Nathan Fillion and Katie Sackhoff to be in together, and then we'll Oh, all God, yeah. Oh, God, Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, and maybe maybe we can get like uh, there you go Amber in there as well. Sure, yeah, there you go. Nathan and Katie, Absolutely. one's a robot, one's a werewolf. They're cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, did I just wake up and it's the eighties? <laughs> I think I saw that movie. They called it a couple of dicks. Wasn't that what it was? <laughs> Uh, it, it could be the new mod squad for all we know. Oh, it'll be on the on the remake of be. Alf. <laughs> oh, God, Alf. Nathan Fillion as Alf. Alf. You know, when 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 Alf ran away from home, <laughs> and he and he and he and he and the guy and he and the guy jumped on the boxcar riding the rails. Oh, like that Lobos. was the best episode See, ever. There you go. And and Alf sings uh, 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 the train they call the city of New Orleans. You know, yes, he does. Yeah. Good morning, America. How are you? Don't 
don't you know me? I'm your native son. What's the next line? Just be quiet. Really? I'm surprised that song was such a big hit. Just be quiet, just be quiet, just be quiet. La, 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 la. And, and you know the thing is, I, I, was, I didn't watch the show, but I caught a few episodes because one of my best friends in high school was like a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool Alf fan. And, uh, and I'll never forget that because I just thought it was so wonderfully absurd. And, uh, and, and the best line ever for, from Alf, the best thing about that show is the fact that he was always threatening to eat the cat. And, uh, and, and that, was, that was hysterical to me. And, and, and he turns and he looks, there was, there was an episode where he's, he promises that he's not going to try to eat the cat. And, uh, and, he's, and he has to prove that he can go like, you know, a week without attempting to eat the cat. And, uh, and he's almost at the end of the week and he's got like, you know, three minutes left. And, uh, and he looks over at the cat who I think was named Lucky. Fluffy. And he says, yeah, uh, Lucky, you're right. And he, and he says, uh, you know, a, a few more minutes, Luckmeister, and I'm going to be down on you like a buzzard on a gut wagon. <laughs> and I thought, that's, that is dialogue worthy of Lance Henriksen in Near Dark. <laughs> you know? It is. Wow. It is. I could just see, and I'd love to see somebody, you know, somebody with the wonderful editing uh, equipment edit that scene together with something, with, uh, like, you know, Bill Paxton doing the KFC line from... Oh. Uh, from near dark, Man. you know. Catherine Bigelow would be down on you so hard. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? If if my wife wouldn't object, that'd be okay with me. Woohoo! And <laughs> silence fell over the podcast. Catherine Bigelow is going to win Best Director this year, by the way. That's my prediction. For near dark? It's about time. Uh, no, for The Hurt Locker. I think she's going to win Best, Best Director. I think she's going to be the first woman ever to win Best Director. It was an awesome movie. You heard it here first. It's folks. Awesome <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an awesome movie. That and Up were the two best movies of the year. Yeah, Up is on my list, definitely. I haven't seen Up yet. Yeah. I have no interest. So, Up, you got to see Up and The Hurt Locker. Those, you know, and District 9. Hey, District 9 was uh, one of my uh, disappointments, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Oh, was... you must have seen it after all, after all the hype. Uh, yeah, the following week. <laughs> yeah, see, that's, that's, yeah, that's a problem sometimes. See, I, Everybody tells you how great something is. I, I hate that. I, it makes me, the more people who tell me how great something is, the less I want to see it. Because I'm, I'm like... Yeah, well, that's it. These people don't have good taste. I saw the 40-year-old virgin. Oh, yeah. You know, at, everybody had said at the which four-year-old convention? virgin was like the funniest movie ever. It was funny when I was 16. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. You know what? No, at 10 it's... o'clock at night, when you're 16, it's hysterical. Especially for Pi. <laughs> not saying I was. But, um, you know, now, maybe not so much. Now it's just... I don't know. The, the best movie I've seen... Uh, this year so far, and I haven't seen Up, and I haven't seen District Nine, and I haven't seen The Hurt Locker. Are is up in the air. Fabulous movie. Now, see, it's actually really funny that you should say that because, um, as a member of the Writers Guild of America, I get the screener copies so that we can vote on the screenplay. Um, and I watched Up in the Air uh, just a few nights ago with my wife, and I thought it was wonderfully written and wonderfully directed and wonderfully acted and one of the most depressing things I have seen in a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and so I, I did not like it. Um, uh, I, and I, you know, I just, I, I can't say I enjoyed it. Yeah, Even though it has it all was, those wonderful qualities as a film. It was a very depressing, it was a very depressing film. I agree with you on that. Um, and maybe I would feel differently had I seen some other films, but I was completely drawn into it. And I and the book, which I haven't read, although I paged through it in Barnes and Noble the other day, um, looks like a great read. So I picked that up as well. Yeah. Well, you know, the the last movie I needed to drink after was Platoon, and I think Up in the Air was the next one. 
so yeah. it was, you know, because the thing is, like, my mother actually was uh, was asking me about it, and I said, you know, it's um, it's a it's a movie about a guy whose life is hollow and empty and 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 awful, uh, who who is blissfully ignorant of the fact. And the movie is about him discovering that his life is empty and hollow and awful, and then it's there, and then it's over, <laughs> and then it's, then it's the end of the movie. Your huh. life sucks. The end. Wow. Is it a uh, musical? So. <laughs> it, that might be you know, it should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris. We are so yeah. running out of time here. It isn't funny. So I'm going to do something I very rarely do. Uh, what are you doing next Saturday? Next Saturday. Uh, next Saturday. You mean next Saturday night? Yeah, that will be the concept. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to check. But uh, why don't we check if, on that? Uh, because we're going to have uh, um, 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 Mike Hinman from Thank you <laughs> from the Sci-Fi Network. There, the man who flies in sci-fi. <laughs> And, uh, you know, let's just continue on because this is just good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Absolutely. Sounds like well, a let plan. Me, uh, you know, sh- shoot me an email. I'd love to do it if I'm, if I'm around. Uh, obviously, I have uh, Fair enough. Uh, wife and children to answer to, but, uh, but I, will, I will definitely, I would love to do it um, if I'm available. Sounds okay. like a plan. Sounds I, like a plan. I have a bit of an announcement before we end. Next weekend is the weekend we are officially not going to Eresia. Yay! We have not met our funding goal, unfortunately. Are you protesting Eresia or something? No. Uh, well, so the thing is, we talked to Eresia, and I guess we just talked to them too late, and they didn't have room in their program for us, but they said we could very, we were very welcome to rent a table. Unfortunately, you still have to pay for your membership, and then on top of that, pay to rent a table. And when you rent the table, it's by the hour. So, interesting. we are attempting to raise funds for three of our memberships to go, and then um, to rent a table in order to have a presence. And we raised a grand total of $50. Ooh, so that ain't $50. Yeah. Now, how much how much table time does fifty dollars get you? Um, none because we can't get into the show for fifty dollars. Oh. Well, maybe one of us could, but we couldn't rent table space after that. Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll rent you a chair. Yeah, there you um, go. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we would have promoted them a lot more if we didn't have to shell out three hundred and fifty bucks to do it. But, you know, that's the price of the press. What can I tell you? Now, do you guys go to Boscone? We haven't yet. It's, you know, that's that's one of the ones that's up in the air for us. (laughs) Uh, Why? Would you be willing to uh, get us in? (laughs) I'm sorry? Can I get you in? I don't know. Wait, I'm just, I'm taking calls. Email Joanne Cox. Hold on a sec. I've got... There are 75,000 listeners that are calling me right now on my private line, and they are all saying that you should do this. And they that all... Do what? That you should sneak us into Boss Cone. <laughs> In your suitcase. I see. I see. I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's going to work, but, uh, you know, I think that if the 75,000 listeners who are calling in come down and and protest and demand that you be let in, how could the convention say no? Uh, well, they would, but they, they said they were going to be uh, in Barnes & Noble buying your books. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, if, if, they, if all 75,000 people go to Barnes & Noble and buy my books, I'll be able to afford to pay for all of you to go to Boston. <laughs> Nothing like pressuring the audience. <laughs> okay. Gracious guest. On and, that note... And on that note, which I believe was a C-sharp major, uh, that brings us to yet another uh, interesting and yet topical Sci-Fi Saturday night. Thanks for listening. If uh, you didn't catch us live, you can catch our tweet peats and our uh, pod peats on iTunes and on our website. Has anyone gotten the trivia question yet? Yes. We have. 
our Facebook page, Pat from Double Midnight actually answered it correctly. No way! Yep. Way to go, Pat! Woo, Pat! So, you're our lucky winner. Somebody should contact you soon to get your address to send you your fabulous prizes. Or maybe uh, we'll just drop them right. by the store. Who knows? Yeah, we, there you go. And uh, on that note, thanks for listening. From the Austin Brighton uh, Nexus Hellmouth, uh, Kriana, thank you so much. See ya. Uh, from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, X, as usual, another stellar performance. To be continued. And from somewhere out near Indiana, we have Java, who uh, once again has not phoned it in, has MacBooked it in. Absolutely. So long <laughs> and have a good night, everyone. And Chris, thank you so much, and we'll be talking to you, too. My pleasure. All righty. Take Sounds care, everybody. Great.